Election night was filled with chaos and it's the morning after and we still don't have a winner yet. So how effective were the social media companies at combating misinformation uh, and keeping things relatively chaos free? I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. With me is our social media expert, Queenie Wong. Welcome, Queenie. Thank you for having me. So before we get into last night, if you could set things up for our listeners and just sort of break down what the companies, uh, what the social media companies like Facebook and Twitter had planned for the elections, what were the steps that they had taken ahead of time to protect the integrity of the system? So the approach that Facebook and Twitter um, took this year was that they were going to point users to more contexts and more authoritative sources. So both of these companies created these online hubs where there's curated information about the election from authoritative sources. They said they would start labeling content, even if it comes from the president, um, if there's premature claims of victory and other content as well that may violate its rules. Um, and there isn't an exception for politicians when it comes to voter suppression content. So they would be pulling that content down. Gotcha. And, and specifically, we saw that when President Trump tweeted a claim that they, which I assumed to mean the Democrats, were trying to steal the elections, uh, Twitter and Facebook reacted. Can, can you talk about how they responded and, and how they the different approaches that they took? Yeah, I mean, Twitter took a much tougher stance um, to that post than Facebook did. They basically concealed uh, Trump's tweets and they limited um, people from liking it or retweeting it. You could still retweet it with a comment. But there was a notice over the tweet that said some or all of the content shared in the tweet is disputed and might be misleading about an election or any other civic process. And there was a link to their election page. Facebook initially had a label to their voting information center, um, but it didn't mention anything about a premature victory. They then changed the label to say that final results may be um, different from an initial vote count. Um, but unlike Twitter, they did not put the notice over the tweet. So you could, you could see, or on Facebook, it's called a post, but you could see what Trump was saying on Facebook without having to click through and view it. And they didn't limit people sharing the post. So why do you think Twitter and Facebook responded differently? So Facebook has um, this sort of policy where politicians generally are exempt from um, fact-checking, and they've mainly taken a hands-off approach when it comes to political content because they say people should be able to see what politicians have to say and that content by the president and other lawmakers are already heavily scrutinized by the media. Um, so some of it has to do with public interest um, and their different views on that issue. Got it. And, and overall, how do you think the social networks fared last night? I mean, we did see also how quickly um, Twitter acted. And there was some criticism that, you know, Facebook was like minutes behind uh, Twitter's actions, I think you definitely saw them take action, which is a good step forward. But 
there are still questions as to, you know, did anyone actually read the label? Um, are users are simply going to glaze past these notices? And to what extent did they really limit the reach? Um, because when you're talking about a post from the president of the United States, it gets almost shared everywhere. And it's almost an impossible task to actually control its spread. Gotcha. And so were there any other incidents that uh, that got flagged last night? So there were incidences earlier in the day. Um, one of the things I saw on Twitter were people, both Democrats and Republicans, claiming that you could vote a day after the election um, for various reasons. Some said it was for because of COVID. Um, others said it was because Nancy Pelosi had passed a bill to allow Democrats to vote an extra day, which was completely wrong. And so I saw Twitter remove some of those tweets. There was also uh, a tweet from the Trump campaign where he declared victory in South Carolina. And you saw uh, Twitter label that with a notice that, you know, the that this isn't the official result yet. Um, and then you saw Facebook take more of a hands-off approach to that piece of content. But on election night, a lot of the focus um, seemed centered on what Trump was saying or tweeting. And I know you cover most of the social media companies, but uh, I know there was an incident with YouTube taking down some content, right? What what happened there? Yeah, so there were some YouTube channels that um, basically posted live election results. They, these were fake results from ads, and YouTube took action against that. After Trump had made a, he said during a press conference that frankly, we did win this election. Videos of that were also circulating on YouTube. And you saw a label under that that said the votes still have to be counted. And here's, you know, a link to these Google search results about, you know, the fact that the election isn't over yet. And what do you think about these social networks? Uh, being in that position to flag these posts? And and does this put them in an awkward position where they have to make some editorial decisions, uh, particularly some that are time sensitive, right? Looking at how Twitter and Facebook respond differently. Uh, what do you think about that? And is, is, that a, is that a good or a bad precedent to be making? Yeah, I mean, you saw content moderation happen in a really tight time span. Um, I think given all the criticism with the 2016 election, the companies had to do something. And they'll still claim that they aren't arbiters of truth, that, you know, they're not making these calls that, you know, for example, when Facebook has a label, they say the source is the bipartisan policy center. And when Twitter directs people to a page about the election, there are tweets from other sources. So all these companies will still make the claim that they aren't making an editorial decision, but also somebody has to apply the label and fiddle with the language to it. So, so to some extent they are. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, it's an interesting point. And, and you know, they, they clearly had to make some changes from the last presidential election. How would you say, you know, they react and they responded uh, how would you say their performance last night differed from 2016? So in 2016, I think there was almost sort of a 
denial from social media companies that their platforms could be used this way. After the election, there still wasn't a lot of data about Russian accounts. That all came later. But I don't know if you remember, but Mark Zuckerberg was actually asked about whether or not Facebook um, swayed the election in a tech conference. And he initially said, frankly, that was a crazy idea. And now after more criticism and more research has come out, they definitely are taking it more seriously. And they're saying, like, look at all these things that we're doing. We're labeling things. We're pulling down fake accounts. And we're creating these online hubs with the big question has been how effective this all has been. And content moderation is still very much a black box and it's hard for these companies to kind of explain their decisions and their different interpretations of the policy. You know, Facebook and Twitter, they took different stance with that video that Trump had said, you know, falsely stated that he won the election when the votes are still being counted. That video hasn't been labeled on Twitter. It has like more than 11 million views. It has been labeled on YouTube and Facebook. And that's just an example of you can have these policies, but you can have different interpretations and different results. There are still votes to be counted and we still don't have a winner yet. So what would you say is the biggest risk going forward, especially over the next few days? You know, I think that misinformation, especially when it comes from prominent politicians or the president of the United States, that could really lead to people, Americans just um, not trusting in the voting process or in democracy in general. Um, people are already have this sense of uncertainty during a pandemic. There's even more uncertainty. And the big risk that comes with misinformation as well is to what extent will it also incite violence? And so I think that is always a big concern. You saw that with the Pizzagate conspiracy theory. So misinformation may seem harmful, um, but it really kind of tugs at the strings of our democracy and makes people question everything that they see on social media. Like it's just, it's really become sort of a, a nightmare scenario for these social media companies. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, in, in major cities, you know, here in, in Manhattan, uh, you see businesses boarding up, boarded up, uh, you know, just readying themselves for potential violence. And that's clearly not something you want to see after an election, but is the sort of the sad reality that we live in. Uh, just lastly, for our listeners out there, do you have any tips for how to avoid misinformation, how to, how to avoid getting taken in by all the, the misinformation that's out there? Yeah, some disinformation experts say you should really just be aware of your emotions because people will write things to kind of get you riled up and in anger, you'll just want to share it. Um, you have to think about what you're seeing and what the context is. So, for example, on Election Day, there was a video of a poll worker in Philadelphia being turned away and the right sort of latched onto that video stating that, you know, Democrats are trying to ban Trump supporters and poll workers from 
um, these polling sites. And, you know, even though the video did show that a poll worker was turned away, um, the context was that there was a misinterpretation of a law and he got turned away at that site, but then he was able to enter to enter another site. So even if you see something on social media, you really have to think about the context and like, what does it actually show versus just somebody's interpretation of, you know, a video or a photo, which could be completely misleading or wrong. Gotcha. Well, thanks for your time, Queen. Thanks for that advice. You can check out all of our election coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or send me a text message by signing up at 646-461-4291. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.